Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. I sit down with all Jermaine Sterling, UFC bantamweight champion, about his upcoming fight with TJ Dillashaw and his thoughts on the slate of amazing fights in the 135-pound division coming up. It looks like we have the bantamweight champion. That's right. It looks like he's in the middle of training. That's cool. I can go shirtless, too. It is Aljamain Sterling. How you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm just finishing up a sparring session with Marab the last week, last whole week of training. And then uh, he's going to be ready to rock in a bit. Cool. So, so let me know the deal, man. All this activity, the whole top 10 at Bantamweight is booked, really. I mean, everybody has a fight coming up. You're the champ. You're sitting at the top of that division. I know you have a fight coming up, so you can't just like chill out and watch the fights, but what do you feel being at the top of all this activity? You get to kind of see everybody going to war for your title. What do you think of that, man? It's nice to be on top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Talking all this shit for 13 months, they could suck it now. Tell you that much. Um, I worked my ass off to get here, and uh, people can't tell me nothing, you know. So it feels good to just be here and be in this position and um, watching these guys battle it out to see who's going to be the next one um, that I'll challenge. Um, right now, it's TJ Dillshaw with that steroid abusing punk up a little bit, and then uh, we'll move on to the next challenges. So Let's talk a little bit. I want to rewind a little bit to your your victory over Piotr Jan. I was saying how you know, much like TJ Dillashaw, TJ Dillashaw with the snake in the grass, and he kind of played that up, and he had the shirts made and everything. The fans were all over you, which I thought was unreasonable considering he threw the illegal knee, not you. How much pressure did you feel going into that rematch? Seems like fans all wanted Piotr Jan, and and you were kind of the underdog, even though you were the guy holding the title. Was there a lot of pressure on your shoulders for that fight? Yeah, there was pressure, but pressure is what you make it, man. You could let it fold you or you could let it build you up to be who you're desired and destined to be. And that's what I use it for. You know, so at the end of the day, um, it's all noise. I don't see any of these people. They comment online. We're doing something that they've never done in their entire life. And that's achieved dreams that you've been working so hard to achieve. Um, you could be upset that I won the belt the way I did. I was upset about it, clearly. And... Uh, Unfortunately, my neck put me out. It was something I've been dealing with for years, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I got an opportunity to do it the right way, the way that I wanted to do it. And now it's um, now it's uh, talk, talk to me nice. That's, that's what I say to those people. <laughs> talk to me nice. You know, so we see, uh, we'll see, we get to see who's the real best guy in the division. And all these guys are dogs, so if they don't like how I won, then what does that say about your favorite fighter? So what I'm curious about, I'm speaking to the champ, Aljamain Sterling, of course, champion at 135 pounds in the UFC. TJ Dillashaw is a very interesting challenge because he was a D1 wrestler. He does have the wrestling, doesn't use it offensively that often. He does have nice hands. He does have experience. He never lost a 135-pound title in the octagon. Does Do all of those factors charge it up and make the fight more interesting for you? Tell me about that. Well, I thought he did lose it. Didn't he lose it to Dominic Cruz? <laughs> yeah, then he gained it back. Yeah, exactly. He did lose it once. That is true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't even know what the question is, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm curious about is all, all these other factors of somebody bringing all those things in, right? All these subplots that you get to talk about in the in the uh, in the press conferences, him doping and all that stuff. Does it make the fight bigger and more exciting for you? All these different factors uh, that he brings. 
does he's a popular guy. I mean, he's yeah. done so much division, whether he did it clean or not. I know he did it dirty. Whatever he wants to say, whatever makes him sleep better at night. But all those wins, dirty, dirty, dirty. And um at the end of the day, he still worked hard to get there, right? So he still had to have some type of skill set that helped him win those matchups. And uh it'd be nice to to beat a guy like that and get another feather in my cap beating another killer in this division who people think is God's gift to earth. You know, he's um, talented. He's another striker. He's wrestled before. He's saying it's the easy stylistic matchup. I'm like, all right, let me know which guy you ever fought that presented this style that you can say comfortably and confidently that this is an easy money fight. So um, I like my chances. If uh, his face is any indicator of how this fight's going to go from his previous fights, then uh, I think I'm sitting pretty. Uh, I'm very curious. I, I would love to get your opinion about this. Marlon Chito Vera, of course, taking on Dominic Cruz this weekend. Marlon Vera had some choice words about the legacy of Dominic Cruz at 135. Basically that he didn't fight the best guys. He was always in and out with injuries. I don't think he hangs with the best now, even when he was in his prime. I'm curious, as a Bantamweight, what is your thoughts on the legacy of Dominic Cruz at 135? Do you agree with Chito Vera? Do you think he was the best all time? I'm curious where you fall on that. I mean... It's, it doesn't make any sense because he's talking about a period that Dominic Cruz dominated yeah. when he was active. So it has no bearing to what it is now. If you want to say now that he doesn't think he can hang with the best guys, say that. But to say that he hasn't fought the best guys, I'm like, I mean, he's been doing that his entire career. You know, so I think that's kind of um, a little gamesmanship or maybe he actually believes what he's actually saying. I think uh, you got to be unbiased and you got to look at the work that he's done. Even the crew at the fight with, with uh, Garbrandt, he had some moments in that fight. You know, that was the one person that uh, Cody couldn't knock out. You know, so you got to give him some respect there. The guy was sleeping everybody. He gets to Dominic Cruz, he styled on him. But Cruz still gave him some issues in that fight, you know. So um, when you break it down like that, and he fought Henry Cejudo, short notice fight, you got to give him credit where credit is due. I think Cheeto has some validity in what he's saying, but for the most part... He beat the best guys in his era when he was active, and I think that's what you got to look at, and you got to look at the body of work that he's done now. Look what he did with Pedro. Look what he did with uh, Casey Kinney, uh, and that's going to fight um, Cheeto. So we'll see where he racks up and see where his skill set still remains. And I will say father time is undefeated. So him being dropped twice by Pedro doesn't help his case. I think if Cheeto does land a, a big shot, he could probably get Dominic Cruz out of there, and that's just because of father time, that's not necessarily because Cheeto's that good. If I fight Frankie Edgar right now and I hit him on the chin, I'm probably going to knock him out. That doesn't mean I'm a knockout artist. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to compare the right things and look at the right things to be an honest, to get an honest assessment of your skill set, the, the opponents, and know what you're getting yourself into. I'm very interested in that. Of course, speaking to Aljamain Sterling, going to be fighting TJ Dillashaw in a great showdown. And and when you look at it, you said you got to be honest. You have to really assess the skills of your opponent, right? When you look at TJ Dillashaw and you're in the gym right now sparring with Marab Dvalishvili, what kind of stuff is on your mind? What kind of tools are you sharpening up for a guy like TJ Dillashaw? When you look at his skill set, what impresses you the most, if anything? Uh, I mean, his will to win probably the most impressive thing about him. I mean, he's not doing anything overly fancy. I mean, let me not, let me not say that overly fancy. He's not doing anything that's revolutionary for this, this sport. I mean, he's striking, he's switch dancing. Almost everybody switch dances now. 
there's no shortage of partners that you can get that could do shit like that. So, hey, I'm not going to see anything different with him. Um, I think the, the biggest threat that he has coming into this is his will to win. And for some reason, somehow, overnight, he became a lot more durable. Question marks being raised again um, about what he's doing to have that durability. Um, maybe some extra supplements once again. <laughs> so that's that's really it. And if I'm being honest, I think he has the same threats on the feet, which is just striking, switch stancing, and being a little bit tricky and unorthodox with uh, switching to southpaw, shaking, and then looking for those head kicks and things like that. But I see all those things coming. He's fighting a guy who could fight going who could fight well going backwards, fighting a guy who could fight well going forward, and fighting a guy who can mix it up with grappling and dictate the pace of the fight whichever way he wants to. So I think for him, that's more of the question mark for him to figure out. Like, I've seen a lot of him. He hasn't seen a lot of me. I'm very curious about what you as a fighter and your team and your representation, whatever. Um, as you said, you know, you have questions about did the best part of him come out of a bottle, to quote a great man. Um, are you, I don't want to say on the UFC, but is there a sense of like, hey, make sure that, you guys are testing and that, that you're on him. Is there a little more? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can flex. That's cool. He's flexing in Zoom. Dude, don't make me, don't make me come up to the camera, all right? Don't make me show the guns right here. Anyway, uh, what I'm curious about is, is there a sense of, like, making sure they're kind of on him about the, making sure the testing's good and all that stuff? Are you, are you and your management a little bit more on the phone with the UFC about that? I'm very curious. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't been vocal about it towards, like, the UFC or USADA or anything, but... Yeah. I'll tell you what, USADA hasn't visited me in like a month at this point. So they haven't visited me in over a month. I don't know if they're visiting this motherfucker. So I don't know. I, I'm going in there knowing that the guy's probably not playing with the equal and level playing field. Um, him and his coaches over there, whatever mad scientists, things they're concocting over there in their, in their lab. I'm going to be like, it's going to be like Rocky Four versus Drago and myself. And I'm going to be out in the woods working. He's going to be in a lab literally injecting shit in his asshole. So uh, you know, that's the difference between him and I. I want to know about legacy at this point. We talked about the legacy of Dominic Cruz. He had five wins in the UFC, came in as Bantamweight champion. Um, this, of course, would be uh, your second title defense. What are your thoughts on, on legacy and where you want to go at 135? This division is so stacked. If you could get five in a row here, you'd be the greatest of all time. Do you think about the future? Do you think about your legacy as champion? Or is it one at a time at this point? It's a good question. <laughs> you know me, bro. This is what I do. It's the kind of questions I ask, man. I, I actually, if I'm being transparent, I yeah. actually have not re-evaluated my goals going forward. I mean, I do have one that I've always wanted to do, which was to join the 20 win club in the UFC, which is very, very hard to do. There's not many fighters that get 20 wins in the UFC. So I, I think that would be something um, historic for me to do, to join that league of fighters who have been able to do something like that. Uh, I think right now I sit at 13, so I'm a, I'm a little bit ways away. But um, that's, that's really as far as it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, I think your goals change as you you begin to check things off the box and becoming a UFC champion was one of those things. And now things kind of have to shift a little bit in the mindset and what we're trying to now accomplish. And I think the most important thing for me is financial security for myself and my family um, going forward. You know, I think most of us get into the sport to change our lives. And 
I don't want to squander that opportunity. So going out there and beating a guy like TJ Dillashaw is going to do it. Like people say, if you're fighting for the money, you're not fighting for the right things. I'm like, dude, trust me. I fight to not get my ass kicked. I fight to kick your ass and I fight to, to win a whole lot of money while doing it. So I think they can all go hand in hand with each other. And that's the uh, game plan right now. You know, I want to set things up that I didn't have, change the cycle and the revolving door and give my family some opportunities that we never had growing up. I'm curious. You said you just finished sparring with Rob Dvalishvili. Of course, he has a showdown coming up with Jose Aldo. I know there's fighter Aljamain Sterling who is training with Rob Dvalishvili, and then there is fan Aljamain Sterling who probably saw Jose Aldo coming up and all the things he did at 145 pounds. Um, what are your thoughts on essentially kind of where Jose Aldo is after all the wars he's been in to be number three in such a difficult division, man? It says a lot about... His, his spirit and his heart, man. What's it like getting uh, Mar- uh, Marab ready for a guy like that, man? Um, it's fun, man. It's, it's, it's been fun to be a part of this training camp. Uh, Marab always helps me for my training camps to, to be a part of this one. Another big opportunity. Him fighting a legend who's fought the who's who's of the featherweights and the uh, now becoming the, be- the, the bantamweight division. He's fighting everybody now at this point. So, for him to compete against a guy like that is going to be huge for his career. It's going to be huge for MMA in Georgia. And um, to fight a guy like that who's been a pioneer of the game, revolutionized the sport with leg kicks and things like that, um, being fast, explosive, dynamic, uh, to take a guy out like that, uh, I think it would be just – I think it just increases Marab's stock exponentially. So uh, we're, we're all looking forward to this fight. It's a great opportunity. And um, – Fighting a, fighting a legend, man. At the end of the day, you're fighting a legend, but these times are changing. Now we're trying to become the legends, and I think that's what it's all about now. It's going to be the changing of the guards passing up the torch. Uh, last question I have before I let you go, man. Um, Piotr Jan taking on Sugar Sean O'Malley. You, of course, took on Piotr Jan twice. I was really surprised by this. Ranked number 13, now getting a shot at the number one contender. Did it surprise you? What are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, definitely surprised me. I mean, it's a win-win for O'Malley and stylistically, I think it's a good matchup. Like he has the tools to win. I think the main question mark is the toughness of O'Malley. When it got tough one time with Cheeto, he kind of rolled over and quit. And uh, he can say whatever he wants, but that's the fact. Um, I understand not being able to stand up, but I think he got hit with one shot. It shows that he, he might not be as durable as he makes himself out to be with this loud mouth. But um, he's fun. He's entertaining. And it's going to be a great addition to have to the card. And um, I like the matchup. I think it's fun for the fans. I mean, you get to see the poodle, see if he could back up his words <laughs> against uh, the term. <laughs> you know, and that's what um, that's what Piotr Jan called him. He called him a poodle. He's like, if you're going to just keep barking and, and not actually call me out, then uh, just be quiet kind of thing. So now we get to see who's who. We get to see how good both these guys are. We already know Jan is good. He's tough. He's durable. Uh, we don't know shit about O'Malley other than he could beat up cans if you put the cans in front of him. With all ah, these guys. The cans is a little harsh because I like some of those guys he's fought. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. Qualified. I, I get that. With all, Last thing, with all these Bantamweights looking for that one big performance to fight you, who do you hope gets that highlight reel shot and fights you next? And fights me next? Uh, yeah. Honestly, bro, I haven't really – I'm just really worried about TJ. That's really – if I'm being 100% honest, I'm just worried, really worried about TJ. 
you know, I got my focus on him and then my focus on Rob to get his, get his hand raised next weekend. Well, best of luck to you, my man. Really appreciate you giving us your time. Aljamain Sterling, Funkmaster, thank you so much, bud. Thanks for having me. Anytime, the Bantamweight champ getting it done again. We'll see how he stacks up with TJ Dillashaw. Can't wait to see it. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.